church, would you stand to your feet? We're actually going to start this morning with song, with our prayer. Um, would you open up your hands? Because we're going to sing our prayer, believe it or not. The words that we sing are actually prayerful. And so we're going to ask God's glory to be in this place, as it already is. But Lord, would you set our eyes to your glory here in this place? Pray this with me now. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Pray that again. Show us your glory. Show us, show us your glory. Romans uh, chapter 5, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? And the good news here is spelled out in the gospel is, is uh, in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Here's the colon, right? Here's what's first important. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter and the twelve. And, and this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our hope for eternity. Every one of us is set towards the grave. And praise the name for, for a testimony like Mike's. But, that, but that, that is still every one of our destinies. But death does not hold the final say. Jesus does, doesn't he? Amen, church? Jesus wins. And that's our hope in heaven. And that's our hope here on earth. And we're going to sing about it. And we're going to testify about it some more this morning. But first, I'm going to invite you to stand and greet a few people. Here's my challenge. Talk to somebody that you didn't come with and that you didn't talk to already yet this morning. And if you have to leave your aisle, that's okay. We'll make room. We'll make a little bit of time. But I want to challenge you to go greet a few people. Give them a holy handshake, a holy hug, and we'll sing some more.
from the words of looking back and remembering his faithfulness, I hope you've thought of something. Maybe you've thought of, of songs from the scriptures or uh, stories from the scriptures of God's faithfulness. Maybe you've thought of stories of, of, of Christians who've gone before us and, and clung to that. Maybe you've thought of times in your own life or perhaps even this week. I hope how God's been faithful to you. And I'm, I'm gonna say, I know that we've also fallen into that category of I look ahead, believing that you're able. And these two that are connected of looking in the past to his faithfulness and knowing that we can trust in his goodness and we can trust in his faithfulness and that same faithfulness that he had in the past is gonna be our testimony in the future of what we're going through now. I don't know what each of you are going through. I know some. But can we encourage one another this morning that he is a way maker and a miracle worker. He keeps his promises. This is just who he is. It's in his very nature. So before we pray, we're going to sing a little bit more. And I hope that your prayer is that you can cling to his goodness, can cling to his faithfulness. His nature does not change, friends. He will make a way. It might be his way, but that is the act of submission as we trust in him, as we delight in him, and he gives us the desires of our heart to his heart. Sing this with me. We make a miracle
we have sung so many truths about who you are this morning. God, you are the glory here. We've set our eyes to you and we've, we've sensed and we've recognized your glory in this place. The holy God. Lord, we've sung about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ because of his life and the death, burial, resurrection of his life and that that changes then how we live. You give us hope. Lord, not just hope in heaven, but hope here on earth, God. We know that we can look up to you and we can bow in a posture of reverence because of who you are. We can look to the past and to your faithfulness and look ahead with hope for the future. God, I just ask that you would just continue to help our eyes be in tune to you this morning. Help our hearts be open to the way that you want to move through what Pastor Josh is going to bring to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for moving in this place. We just give you the glory for everything. It's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray these things. Amen. Hi, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all again. Um, here's the deal. Um, this, morning's, this morning's sermon, um, just let me just give a disclaimer, is maybe a little bit different uh, than a typical sermon that I would preach. Um, it just, I think it's going to flow a little bit differently, and, uh, and maybe the way it, uh, the way we wrap up, is, it's just going to be a little bit different. So I want to, I just kind of want to uh, give you a disclaimer of that uh, up front. But we're going to start by, uh, by reading scripture, uh, maybe a little bit differently than what we would typically do. And I'm going to, it's a, it's a longer passage of scripture we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 1 and 2, and, uh, and so I'm going to invite you to just, to just listen for a few minutes uh, as I read these, uh, these two chapters kind of adapted uh, a little bit from Ecclesiastes 1 and 2, and I would just invite you to uh, whatever posture of listening uh, would be beneficial to you. If you can close your eyes without falling asleep, then by all means do that, um, but I would just encourage you to listen, uh, listen to these words. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is completely meaningless. Nothing has any meaning. What do people get for all their work? Why do they work so hard on this earth? People come and people go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, and then it sets, and then it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, and then it turns to the north. Around and around it goes. It always returns to where it started. Everything that has ever been will come back again. Everything that has ever been done will be done again. Nothing is new on the earth. There isn't anything which, about which someone can say, look, here's something new. It was already here long ago. It was here before we were. No one remembers the people of long ago. 
even those who haven't been born yet won't be remembered by those who will be born after them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I decided to study things carefully. I used my wisdom to check everything out. I looked into everything that is done on earth. What a heavy load God has put on human beings. I've seen what is done on this earth. All of it is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. I said to myself, look, I've now grown wiser than anyone who ruled over Jerusalem in the past. I have a lot of wisdom and knowledge. Then I used my mind to understand what it really means to be wise. And I wanted to know what foolish pleasure is all about. But I found out that it's like chasing the wind. A lot of human wisdom leads to a lot of sorrow. More knowledge only brings more sadness. I said to myself, come on, I'll try out pleasure. I want to find out if it is good. But it also proved to be meaningless. Laughter doesn't make any sense, I said. And what can pleasure do for me? I tried cheering myself up by drinking wine. I even tried living in a foolish way. But wisdom was still guiding my mind. I wanted to see what was good for people to do on earth during their short lives. So I started some large projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made lakes to water groves of healthy trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem ever had before. I stored up silver and gold for myself. I gathered up treasures of kings and their kingdoms. I got some male and female singers. I also got many women for myself. Women delight the hearts of men. I became far more important than anyone in Jerusalem had ever been before. And in spite of everything, I didn't lose my wisdom. I gave myself everything my eyes wanted. There wasn't any pleasure that I refused to give myself. I took delight in everything I did, and that was what I got for all my work. But then I looked over everything my hands had done. I saw what I had worked so hard to get, and nothing had any meaning. It was like chasing the wind. Nothing was gained on this earth. So I hated life. It's because the work that had been done on this earth made me sad. None of it has any meaning. It's like chasing the wind. I hated everything I had worked for on earth. I'll have to leave all of it to someone who lives after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Either way, they'll take over everything on earth I've worked so hard for. And that doesn't have any meaning either. So I began to lose hope because all of my hard work on this earth. A person might use wisdom, knowledge, and skill to do their work. But then they have to leave everything they own to someone who hasn't worked for it. That doesn't have any meaning either. In fact, it isn't fair. What do people get for all their hard work on earth? What do they get for all their worries? As long as they live, their work is nothing but pain and sorrow. Even at night, their minds can't 
rest. That doesn't have any meaning either. A person can't do anything better than eat, drink, and be satisfied with their work. When Pastor Brian, a few months ago, told me um, about the idol that he wanted me to address this week in our Gods at War series, my initial reaction was, that sounds great, yeah, I can do that, but I'm not sure that I can actually find it in the Bible. Well, I was wrong. I found it. I found it here. The idol du jour, the idol of the day that we're going to talk about this morning is technology. Technology? In the Bible? Well, not explicitly, but in this text itself that I read, the writer writing about this teacher proclaims that there is nothing new under the sun. And so as Pastor Brian assigned my topic, I began to search. I began to search. What passage will I use? What scripture will I use for, for this topic? The idol of the iPhone 15. I don't know. What, I, what, what iPhone are we on right now? What iPhone's latest? Come on, you guys know this. Cool. Thanks for leaving me hanging. The iPhone 15, for, uh, whatever we're on. The iPad Pro, the Samsung. I have no idea anything about Samsung, so I don't know what we're on there. That could not be found in scripture. I couldn't find these, believe it or not, I couldn't find these things in Scripture. But with this idea of nothing new under the sun, I wondered what the underlying issue might be in a world that has inarguably created an idol out of technology. See, I prefer, when I'm preaching, I prefer not to just grab low-hanging fruit. Right, like it would be easy for me to come up here with a sledgehammer and an iPhone and just smash it to pieces and talk about how technology is ruining the entire world. But do you know what that would make me? First of all, plain goofy, right? Like just an attention-seeking pastor. Like that's not what I'm trying to do. But it would also make me a hypocrite. Because I've used technology to write this very sermon that I'm delivering to you. Where do you think I read the Bible as I was searching, as I was researching this? On my technology. Where do you think I looked at the commentaries and did the research on this? My technology. Guess what I'm preaching from? An iPad. Technology. It would make me a hypocrite to do something silly like smash a phone to pieces and talk about how it's just ruining the entire world. So what's the underlying issue? What's at the heart as we've talked about these idols for the past several weeks? We've discovered that maybe it's not necessarily the action itself, but it's the heart behind the action. So what's the underlying issue? And after a lot of back and forth in my mind and, and several conversations with others as, we, as I've been trying to think through this, I think that I've determined that the root idol is actually fulfillment fulfillment the desire to be fulfilled the desire to fulfill our needs and our wants in our lives and so with that in mind i want you to hear a few of these verses these same words from ecclesiastes with two things in mind one our desires for fulfillment but also our use our current use of technology to achieve that desire 
for fulfillment. Now, before we dive back into these words, let me give you a real quick uh, Hebrew lesson, if you will. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, uh, and so guess where I found this? Technology, right? Yeah, you guys got it. The book of Ecclesiastes uh, begins with a teacher declaring meaningless. It's all meaningless. At least that's the way that the NIV translates it. Uh, But there's something, I think, uh, of greater depth and greater significance to this word when we look at the actual Hebrew word. The Hebrew word that is used here is hevel. Uh, Hevel, uh, the meaning is more along the lines of vapor or smoke. Something that is here and then gone. Something that can't be grasped. It's vain, meaningless. The NRSV translate it to it's all vanity. So again, I invite you, listen to some of the words that the, that the teacher in Ecclesiastes declares with our desire for fulfillment and our use of technology in mind. Listen to these words. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. He says, I applied my mind to study and to explore the wisdom and information of all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. Look. I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much wisdom and much knowledge. I learned that this too was chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. Laughter is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens more meaningless. I undertook great projects. I built houses and planted vineyards. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired all the entertainment, male and female singers, all the delights of a man's heart. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, refused my heart no pleasure. My heart was happy. But when I surveyed all my hands had done, everything meaningless. Do you see it? Do you see it? I want to make something very clear. I think that there is significant danger in attempting to make the Bible say something that it was never meant to say. And so I'm not pretending that this is a copy and paste situation where the writer of Ecclesiastes had some sort of foreknowledge into the future and where society was going and that somehow he predicted all of these iPhones and technology and knew where we were going. That's bad Bible scholarship and I want no part of that. But again, what seems to be at the heart of this? It seems to me to be the idol of fulfillment. See, the the teacher wanted long-lasting relevance and importance, and he goes to great lengths to be remembered, only to come to the conclusion that the next generation just forgets, even by those who are followers, 
Now, I'm a TikTok guy. No judgment. I mean, it's fine. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a TikTok guy, right? The mindless scrolling of goofy things is just, it's, it's just fun, right? I'm a TikTok guy. Now, I had an observation, though. I follow certain creators on TikTok. I follow chefs and cooks. I follow people who like to uh, grill and smoke food to get inspiration or just to make my stomach want more food, right? I follow these guys. I follow Bible nerds, etc. I follow all of these different types of creators. Now, when you open up your TikTok feed, the cyberspace somehow curates a playlist of videos called your For You page. Now, it never fails that creators that I have chosen to follow will at some point stop showing up on my feed. And do you know what? I forget about them. I completely forget that they exist. Even with their efforts to remain relevant and my efforts to follow them, after a few days of not seeing them, I forget that they exist. The teacher He does all that he can to gain knowledge and wisdom in hopes of being fulfilled. Our current technology allows everyone to be an expert on everything. All the information and knowledge is right here at my fingertips. I can gain it all. The teacher did all that he could to fulfill his desire for pleasure and entertainment. Our technology is a portal to nonstop entertainment and pleasure where we can get so sucked into our pursuit of fulfillment that Netflix has the nerve to ask us if we're really still watching. Like sometimes we just need to escape from reality. and The entertainment that is provided on our technology provides that escape. This this book, this book of the Bible, is a man's reflection of seeking to fulfill his need for identity, for purpose, for belonging, and for significance. And as I think about the ways that we use our technology, I can't help but notice that we use it for the same thing. We're seeking to fulfill our needs for identity and our need for purpose, and our need for belonging, and our need for significance. Now, throughout the remainder of Ecclesiastes, the teacher kind of continues to reflect on life and his desire for fulfillment and the things that he tried to do to gain this fulfillment. But he also reflects on this concept that our life is beyond our control. You remember the word hevel that I talked about that that this book starts with? The image of vapor or smoke. Have you ever tried to grab hold of smoke? Have you ever tried to grasp or contain smoke? It's not possible, right? You can't grab hold of smoke. It just doesn't work. You can't control it. This seems to be the conclusion of the teacher in Ecclesiastes. Even after going to great lengths to gain knowledge and wisdom and significance and entertainment, he realizes that life is still chaos and life is still messy and you can't grab hold of it, you can't fix it, you can't control it. But it's a natural desire to want to control things, right? 
And our technology has given us a tool to make us think that we can, in fact, control life. We can now control our image. Because we control what gets posted on our social media. And we can choose to always make it the best version of ourselves. We control the image that is portrayed. Technology gives us tools to control our chaotic lives. There's countless calendar apps that you can find to try to control your busy schedule. There are apps that are to-do lists so that you can control the things that you have to get done. There are electronic reminders so that our day doesn't get away from us and we forget to pick our kids up from school. I do it. (laughs) Control. Control, control. And then we get to have control over the voices that we hear. And I'm not implying that filtering out certain voices is bad. But it's very easy to control the voices so that everyone we see, everyone that we follow, everyone that we pay attention to, looks like us, believes like us, thinks like us, agrees with us, and all of a sudden we are never wrong. Because we've put ourselves into this echo chamber, it's not healthy, all in the name of control. Remember that word, hevel. Life is but vapor. Life is but smoke. Life is hard to grasp. It's hard to control. Temptation of technology is to bring fulfillment with something that was never meant to bring fulfillment. At its core, it can replace God. And when it replaces God, that becomes idolatry. I think the point is clear here, right? I could continue with the work of convincing you that it's possible that our technology is a significant player in in the idolatry of filament. Again, I could have done some awesome demonstrations with sledgehammers and devices, and it would have been great, and your jaws would have been dropping. It would have been fantastic, but I'm not about that, so let's just, you guys got it, right? Can we get practical for just a minute? Let me first again remind you and make it abundantly clear that I am not anti-technology. I think technology in general has some very positive value. But can we be real for a few minutes when it comes to the negative effects of technology? And, And as we do this, much like all of the other idols and really a lot of things that we talk about here, like the sermons that we hear on a Sunday morning, as we do this, I think that our temptation is to point those truths that we hear at someone else, right? Like, yeah, there it is. Like, that, that's you. We're talking about you here, right? And I think specifically in this particular area, it's easiest to point our fingers at our young people, right? Like, this young generation, man, they're just so attached to their phones, Right? And it's easy to just throw this, and and you're going to walk out of here and be like, ha-ha, teenagers, I told you this all along, right? Come on. Can we just reflect on ourselves for a second? Can we examine ourselves and be realistic about this? And when I say us, I'm including myself here too. I don't have this figured out. Just because I'm up here and I've got this fancy microphone around my ear, and you're sitting there listening to me, I don't have this nailed down. 
But can we at least take a moment for some reflection on our own lives? It's no secret that there are negative consequences of technology. Technology leads to a decrease in sleep as our brains are constantly experiencing overstimulation. Our FOMO or our fear of missing out is at an all-time high. What was once just a fear of missing out on something actually happening, we now have a fear of missing out on a notification or missing out on a text or a very important email that I've got to see the reply to. We're going to miss out on a Facebook post. We're going to miss out on a breaking news alert. And we can't stop checking our technology because of this FOMO. Technology has allowed us to portray a false identity. And let's be honest, our online identity that we portray on social media looks a whole lot better than our real-life identity does. And because everyone is portraying their best selves, it results in a significant increase in lower self-esteem. When it's easy to see everyone else's good stuff, we can't help but compare. But what we're comparing to isn't even real. And so this compounds and it leads to an increase in depression and in anxiety. And then there's cyberbullying. And I don't have time to go into all of the dangers here, but parents especially, if you aren't familiar with all the workings of cyberbullying and if you've not heard of things like sextortion, you need to go home and learn about it. You've got to learn about this. And cyberbullying is another one of those things that I think it's easy to think only affects our young people, but I think at the heart of cyberbullying is, uh, is, is something that affects all of us as well. See, the reality is that technology has allowed us to hide behind our screens and our keyboards. And since we're not face-to-face with someone, we've allowed ourselves to become putting it nicely, jerks, because we're behind our screen. It's not real. There's even a thing called chronic smartphone stress. The constant notifications and interactions are literally changing the pathways of our brains. If you think that's not true, how many of you have ever sworn that you felt your phone vibrate in your pocket only to look at it and there are no notifications? Or even worse, your phone isn't even in your pocket but you swore you felt it go off. It's changing the pathways in our brains. I'm not making this stuff up to try to scare you or anything like that. I'm not about that. There's research out there that's pointing to the side effects of technology. It's real. So what do we do? So what? Again, this is kind of a different kind of sermon than what I would normally preach. And I think the the so what is a little bit different as well. See, in general, a sermon leads to a time of reflection and response, and that generally looks like having conversations with God and and seeking his guidance in different areas, and maybe that's what you need to do uh, when it comes to this topic. But I thought maybe it would be very helpful to give some more practical ideas on this topic. Because truthfully, this is about habit-breaking, it's about habit-building, It's about boundaries. 
and while bathing all things in prayer, I believe, is essential, something like this requires us to actually do something, to put things into practice. Bad habits won't be broken, good habits won't be started, and boundaries won't be set unless we do that. So can I encourage you this morning to use the tools that are available to you? Again, this is the part where a sermon doesn't wrap up like a normal sermon would. But can I encourage you to use the tools that are available to you? The makers of your smartphone and your technology, they know how addicting this is, right? They're not dummies. They know how addicting it is. In fact, they've, because of pressure, they have built tools into these, these same devices for this very reason. In the Apple world, there's a mechanism called screen time. In the Android world, I'm sure that there's something, I just don't know what it is, because I don't know Android. Can I encourage you? Maybe even this afternoon, go home, take a little reality check. You can go into your settings and into your screen time, and you can look at how much screen time you do on, an, on a daily basis. Take a look at it. Do a reality check. Be shocked at how much you use it. But don't just stop with being shocked. Use the built-in tools that are there for you as boundaries. You can set time limits for different types of apps. You can set time limits for your whole screen time, set time limits, and then stick to them. Or whether in your own individual life or in your family life, I would encourage you, create tech-free times and spaces. Now, tools for this are good, but the truth is is that sometimes tools can be manipulated, right? Because I have... Personally, I have screen time limits. I had to set them up for social media. Otherwise, I would just spend 24 hours a day on social media. So I had to set them on there. Well, guess what? When my hour goes up, when my hour is up, I get a notification. Your time limit is up. Well, guess what's at the very bottom? Ignore. Exactly. Ignore. And I can hit ignore. And then I can hit I can hit ignore for one more minute, for 15 more minutes, or for the rest of the day. Right? So tools are good, but tools only get you so so far. So can I encourage you? The second thing I would say to use is accountability. Whether it's your spouse, your parents, your friends, use accountability because the tools will only get you so far. Teens, you know this affects you. You know it does, right? Can I encourage you to ask someone to help you be accountable? Ask for help. Parents, take responsibility. Your teen or your kid will not figure this out on their own. It will not happen. They need your help. And the excuse of, I don't understand technology, is not good enough. You have to learn it. You have to learn it for the sake of your son or your daughter. And as the youth pastor of this church, um, I would love to help you find resources to make this happen. Now, again, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all of the answers. It's something that I wrestle with as well. But part of my job is to be immersed in the culture of young people. And I have a pretty good idea of where to look for valuable resources and help revolving around this topic. 
In fact, uh, on the back table back there, there are two resources that I have that I've handed out to parents over the past handful of years, and then a kind of a video curriculum that we did a collective on that I have leftovers. There's a couple resources back there uh, about um, technology, parenting in the tech world. Feel free to take a look at those, grab them. Uh, I have others somewhere, but I couldn't find them this morning. Um, and so, but if you're just looking for, and you're like, I need help with this, I need it for myself, I need help with, with my parenting aspect, please reach out to me. I would love to be a resource. Again, not pretending that I have the answers, but I at least kind of have an idea of where to look for those answers. Help yourself to those resources. Let me close with the verse that we've included each week. Joshua 24, 23 says, Now then, said Joshua, Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. We all have desires. We all are trying to fulfill our desires, and that's not a bad thing. But sometimes the ways that we try to find fulfillment in our lives leads to idolatry. And in our world, I think that technology is one of the most significant tools that we have to try to find that fulfillment. May we be a people who is known to yield our hearts to God and search for our fulfillment only in him. Will you pray with me? God, uh, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Uh, thank, you for, thank you for your word. Um, that even something that was written so many years ago um, still has value for us today. And it's not that we find iPhones in the Bible, but the truth is, is that uh, your words, your, your truth that we find in Scripture uh, is valuable for us today. Even as we wrestle with something like proper use of technology, there's value in your word. God, um, we all have desires. We all seek to fulfill those desires. Help us to seek to fulfill those desires in you not in the latest phone, not in the binge-watching of, of Netflix shows, not in any of these things. God, may we seek our fulfillment in you. God, give us the humility uh, to, to ask for help when we need help. Um, for our own sake, for our, our kids and our teens' sake, for whoever's sake, God, give us the humility and the courage to reach out and ask. God, in all things that we do, may you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys.